We are on the cusp of a major social change. Do you feel it? Even if you don't, make no mistake, change is coming, and it is going to be unforgettable. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Hart, and here on Prime Spark, where we work with and on behalf of women over 55, I want to help you find that spark that will ignite your way forward, reflect your gifts to the world, and illuminate your path through this next stage of life. Through these podcast conversations, I hope to inspire you to see how you can make a significant contribution to some of the gnarly problems that are facing us right now. Join me, and together, let's discover our Prime Spark. Hi, and welcome to Prime Spark. I'm Sarah Hart, and I'm so happy you're here with us. Prime Spark is designed for women over 55 or close, with a goal to help us all live our happiest, most fulfilling, and productive lives now and in the future. The mission of Prime Spark is to change the way our society sees and treats older women. That's a big mission, which only means we all need to be involved and we need to get going now. And today I have the pleasure of talking with Carrie Pierce, a woman whose work I greatly admire. Carrie E. Pierce has written professionally for over 20 years, building a solid international reputation. During that time, Carrie discovered a real need for wholesome, quality children's literature that parents and grandparents could enjoy as they read aloud. She understands the concern parents and grandparents feel as they struggle to find children's stories they could trust and feel good about sharing with the young ones in their lives. Additionally, Carrie understands what it feels like to have a burning desire to share your message and become a published author and how daunting it can be to publish a book, which Carrie and her co-founder, Sandra Morgan, took their combined 60 years experience in the world of media, publishing, radio, film, and TV to bring together a comprehensive publishing house that helps authors set themselves up for successful book launches. Having experienced heartbreak and tragedy firsthand and seeing many of her dreams come true, Carrie speaks with a rich insight into the human heart and an honest voice holding nothing back. She's proof that women can thrive no matter their age. Welcome, Carrie. I'm so happy you're here. Oh, Sarah, it's a joy and a privilege and an honor to be with you. I thank you for that beautiful introduction, and and I just um, am so appreciative of this time to be with you and your listeners today. Me too. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So, Carrie, in just getting started, let me ask you, do you experience getting older? And if you do, what is that experience? And if you don't, why is it that you think that you don't? Hmm. Oh, man, that's a good question. We could talk about that all day. Um, You know, the first part makes me chuckle because I think as long as we're breathing, we're experiencing getting older and And I think instead of seeing that as a a handicap or a bad thing, we should see it as the blessing that it really is. 
Um, there are a lot of people that don't get the opportunity to get older. And um, I've recently lost several friends that I went to high school with that are in their early 50s, mid 50s, a uh, couple of them a couple years older than I am. And so I would have to say we're all experiencing getting older from the moment we exit the womb. Um, and and that's the course of life. But I also would say with that, um, I was blessed with a mother and, and she was also my best friend who never saw age. And she lived every day of her life until she passed away recently at almost the age of 90. She lived every day of her life trying to figure out what she wanted to be when she grew up. <laughs> so it it was fascinating to watch her move through um, the stages of life and into her 80s and, and almost 90s, um, still so in love with life and everything was possible. Um, and I have always lived that way. I've never seen myself tied to an age. But with that said, as I shared with you before we started the show, I recently last week took a horrible fall and I broke four ribs. And um, these, are, these are my first broken bones ever in my lifetime. And I'm 60 now, almost. And it was an eye-opening experience. And it has slowed me down. Um, normally, I get up every day and I walk three miles and I'm I'm out there doing and thinking about what I want to do next. And I don't really think about age and vulnerability. And now I'm having to sit with that for a little bit. So I think it's interesting that all of this has happened before our show segment, because there is an aspect to that question that now I can better relate to, whereas maybe two weeks ago, I, I wouldn't. That's fun, Carrie. I mean, it's not fun that you fell down. It's certainly not fun you broke your ribs, but <clears throat> it's fun to think about not wanting to slow down because of aging or whatever. And also the reality is we need to take note of what we're doing. Yeah, very much That's so. It's an interesting juxtaposition of of um i mean i love your mother wondering what she was going to do when she grew up until the very last days mm -hmm. um that's a that's a wonderful model to grow up with uh, it was right um yeah. so i'm going to think about that because i have sometimes wondered how how are we age appropriate without being aged you know that's interesting and and i i never i don't want to to appear combative um why waste a moment of time on this planet being worrying about being age appropriate i realize we don't want to wear mini skirts and i realize we don't want to chase 18 year old guys there are things that are beneath um, where we are in life in terms of the the queenliness that we possess as older women. I think there's a, a great wisdom and a great blessing that comes with midlife and beyond. I think if we're lucky, we grow into an awareness of who and what we really are at, at midlife. We drop along the way the pre-programming by society if we're blessed and smart enough to let it go. And we start delving into who and what we really are and what we really are about and who we really are. And a lot of pretense 
gets stripped away by life as we move through the living process. A lot of the things that I thought were life and death in my 20s are just piffily things now that just don't even matter. But at the time, they were crippling. And they just didn't even matter. And I wasted so much time and effort on them. So my, my first thing, and I guess maybe this this harkens back to mom, is this, this feeling that there are certain ways we're supposed to look and certain ways we're supposed to act at certain stages along the way in our lives and certain ages. And I feel like if we have earned the right to, to hit mid-50s and beyond, that with that comes a freedom, or should, and a maturity and a, and a wisdom. And we should wake up every day with the days that we have left um, being the best we can be, being everything that we're, we should be, that we're made to be. And um, there is a lot of pressure, I feel, put on women throughout the course of their lives societal. Um, I think we also put a lot of pressure on ourselves um, throughout our life experiences, how we look, what we weigh. We're constantly gauging ourselves and our worth by numbers, how much money we make, how much we weigh, you know, that kind of stuff. And that's that's just so wrong. So I think I'm, I'm probably slipping off of your point and getting, getting down into a rabbit hole, but I just feel like if we're here and we wake up every day, and I start every day by saying this, um, today is another day the Lord has let me awaken to, to be blessed and to be a blessing. We're still here. And with that comes a, a, a huge, vast potential for celebration. And to to cramp yourselves and cram yourselves into a box about what society approves of and how we're supposed to be at a certain age it's just such a waste. So I I don't really know how to address that question other than to to just say I would just toss that right out the window and be and do everything I could be and do with the time I have left. That's fun, Terry, because when I ask women that first question that I ask you, I over and over and over people say, women say, yeah, I'm getting older. I mean, I can feel it in my body and of course, every, you know, every day you're getting a bit old. But I feel better now than I've ever felt. I feel more me. I feel more free. I feel more to be who I want, to do what I want. I don't really care as much what other people think. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, that seems to be what a lot of women feel. And I think that's such a wonderful thing to, wonderful place to be. Mm -hmm. It is. And I think probably throughout history we are the first generation to have that luxury i think i think um you know i i think of the older women in my family and the generations that came before me they didn't have all that we have at our disposal they didn't have the exercise uh, information that we have the nutritional information that we have the hormone help that we have today um they didn't have the the joie de vie um, that we have today or, or feel that we have a right to have today. And it makes me sad sometimes when I think about the generations that came before me and my family lineage. Um, mom was an anomaly uh, in my family tree. And, and I marvel at, she had so much tragedy in her life. 
And she loved life more than any person I've ever known. And how she could get up every day, um, even toward the end of her life, she had to have dialysis three days a week and chemo. And we fought like the Dickens. And But every day, she still got up and she still wondered what she wanted to be when she grew up. And she she greeted each day looking for the gifts that she knew were there buried. And we had to dig sometimes really hard to find them. But we found a few along the way and she died in my arms. And the last word she heard me say to her was, I love you so much. I just love you so much. And she took her last breath. She opened her eyes and she looked at me and she left. And so that was a gift. It's a precious gift to be able to share that. That is so beautiful, Carrie. Um, Thank you. That's just, that is, uh, I was with, I was not with my mother when she died, but I was with my father when he died. And uh, I think it's really interesting how I knew when he was gone. Mm. You know, I just, I just knew that, that he, he wasn't there anymore. That his yeah. body was still lying there, but he was no longer there. And that's, um, it's a real gift to be there at that moment. Um, so I'm yeah, happy for you. Me too. And thank you, Sarah, for sharing that. And and it is a, a, a thing that I treasure. And my dad's death was not as, as kind as my mother's. He died of dementia and we had to, to walk that road with him for many years. And it was horrifying. Um, and he died uh a few hours after we left from our last visit with him. And, and he had a horrible last couple months that haunt me when I think about them. But I feel like that's why I, I feel like I feel about the aging process now. When you've had your loved ones pass away in your arms or you've been there when they've left, you see the body gets left behind. But there's something powerful rises up and leaves, and it's still ongoing. And, and that is in all of us. That's in all of us. We're not just this piece of meat that we lug around in our little spacesuit that we live in. There's something ethereal uh, in us that goes on, and we need to value that and cherish that while we're here. Um, I think we miss so much of the magic of life um, so so often. Wouldn't it be interesting if we paid as much attention to that part as to our bodies? Yeah. We, we spend so much money and time and energy taking care of this sack, you know? Um, mm -hmm. uh, and and it's, it, it just falls off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, well said. And again, oh, it hurts to laugh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I want it's okay. No, it's good. <laughs> it's probably good to get a little exercise because the blood helps the blood flow. Yeah, I, I haven't laughed in a week, so I appreciate that. <laughs> Harry, let me ask you about your publishing company, because I think that's fascinating for women to do what you and um, your partner have done. Sandra, Sandra. So describe the journey you and Sandra took in deciding to begin to publish books. That's a big decision. 
Well, yes, it, it has been a big decision, and it's a, a mission that we both feel very called to. And, you know, I have to give Sandra a tremendous amount of credit because we wanted to launch Morgan Pierce Media and Publishing um, three years ago. And at that time, I kept getting nudgings in my prayer time. This This is not the time. And this is not the time. And we really wanted, needed it to be the time. And I had to tell her, I am really feeling in my gut that we're being called to to put this on hold. And, you know, that's not happy news to hear when you've worked so hard. But I, I just kept saying, I something's telling me now is not that we need to wait. And at that time, mom was doing great and thriving, and we were living someplace else where we'd lived for 30 years. And she respected my gut opinion, and we put things on hold. And in the course of everything that transpired, um, we ended up having to sell the the family home. My father passed away in 2014, and the place where we were living was no longer safe. It had been taken over by some some bad actors that have been all up and down the west coast and and our little town was no longer safe and it was my responsibility to take care of mom it was just the two of us and we realized we needed to move and so we had to put our family home on the market and and then covid came and and then um we finally sold the house and just as we were moving the night the property closed the next morning, mom woke up and she was in full-blown kidney failure overnight, and they ended up diagnosing her. She was eaten up with multiple myeloma, and we never saw it coming, and we had no home. We'd already sold our house. So we ended up having to move um, with all of that going on to a new state, and I'm very glad we did. We brought our little 21-year-old cat with us, and that was quite an odyssey, um, but after mom passed away, um, Sandra is a dear friend as well, and she was very supportive with mom. And while all of this was happening, we stayed in touch. And after mom passed away, I woke up one day and I got this nudging, e e get in touch with Sandra and see if, if the interest is still there. And so I sent her an email and she said, absolutely. And I said, well, now I'm being told now's the time. And so she said, okay, let's do this thing. And I can't commend her enough for her strength of faith and her trust in, in me. We're dear friends, and I think we are a perfect partnership because my weaknesses are her strengths and vice versa, and um, our temperaments match perfectly. She has been a writer for many, many years. I have been a writer for many, many years. She's also been in radio, and I've been in film and radio. And... Um, it was very important to us to provide a safe environment for writers. Um, we both had had some rather dismal publishing experiences where we had been early on taken rather horribly advantage of. Um, and we knew how awful a publishing experience could be if it was not handled properly. And we also were aware that writers are taken advantage of every day. Um, financially, um, and also their work can be raped and pillaged, and and the, and there are legal loopholes in the publishing world that can really backfire on writers. Um, and we wanted to provide a publishing house 
um, for women and men. But interestingly enough, uh, most of our writers have been midlife women um, where they could come and and be safe. And our our writers become family. Sandra and I are very uh, hands-on. We have a staff, um, but we are very hands-on with each and every project. And we we start the process from start to finish right out the back end where all the marketing is in place. And, you know, I don't think I don't think first time writers or novice writers really realize that writing the book is just the first part. And although it's very difficult, the harder part is selling your book and marketing it appropriately and working through all the legalities and getting it registered with the Library of Congress and getting your ISBN numbers and and doing all of this stuff. So we wanted a place where writers could come and not be taken advantage of and be shepherded very lovingly through the entire process. So when did this, when did you start? When did you, when would your email go to Sandra saying, I think it's time? Oh gosh, I think it's, we're coming up on almost two years now. Um, um, I think if memory serves me, mom passed in February and I think it was about the end of February or maybe not even the end of February. It might've been the following week as I was grieving. Um, uh, We talked about it. And so we, we started it. So it'll be two years in February um we have some lovely books out we are uh, we've just finished one project that we spent a year working on that will be launched probably next month um we also do ghost writing services so i'm working on some some projects for authors that i'm ghost writing for them and um we have a whole entire team in place so we have the the book cover designers and we have the editors in place we have other ghost writers in place uh, we have the marketing we have the the PR firm in place and we put a lot of effort into to making this um something that shepherds creative people safely through the process well I think I mean having I have published two books and I know that it can um I was very, very lucky with, with that. I have have talked to people who have had horrific experiences and basically lost their work. I mean, it really comes down to that. So, um, what a blessing you and Sandra are to the writers of the world. Oh, well, thank you for thank that. You. What? What? How do you know if if a writer approaches you? How do you know if it's a book you want to work with, a writer you want to work with? I mean, do you just know or do you have some sort of guidelines for things you're looking for? Well, it's a combination of a lot of things, and that's a good question. Um, The writing, of course, has to be good, and it doesn't have to be perfect because, I mean, that's why you have editors and that's why you have, you know, the whole publishing process in place. You, you, there are so many different types of editing that is done on each manuscript, uh, you know, line by line, word by word, content, continuity, clarity, you know, all of those things. Um, Temperament is important. And and we've had to reject several manuscripts. I I think that just happens. Um, Some people are not ready. And to take their manuscript and their money when they're not ready is not above board. It's not a nice thing to do. 
So when we reject a manuscript, we're one of the few publishing houses that actually we take the time um, to send detailed information back to the writer about why we rejected the manuscript, what they need to work on and why, um, maybe how to go about it. Um, so we don't just send those soul crushing rejection letters that that most people get when they're rejected. We put a lot of love and care into having to tell someone no, not right now, but here is how you'll stand a better chance moving forward if you follow these steps, and this is why. Um, but we we ask them to submit the first three chapters of their manuscript, and then Sandra and I both both sit down and read through them. And then we have meetings about them. And then if it makes that cut, then we'll schedule a time to meet with the writer. And to take someone's money and, and not collaborate with them, to either just let them, just to do what they want done the way that they want it is not a service. We have to turn out a quality manuscript. The writer's name is on it. Even if it's a ghostwritten project, that writer's name, the author's name is on it, not the ghostwriters. And also our publishing house imprint gets put on that book. So our reputations go on everything that we turn out. And we need to work with writers who understand it is a, it's a partnership and you're paying us to make your product as razor sharp as it can possibly be, that you'll feel good about it. Um, your name's on it, our imprint's on it, and we want to turn out as high a quality product as possible. So we read the product, the, the manuscript, we determine what needs to be done to polish it. If anything, we have one writer coming out with a, a new book in the next couple months who is a professional writer, and we will need to do very minimal work to that project. We have other other people that know nothing about writing, and we are you know, shoring up their work and teaching them as we go. And, and that's part of our partnership with them. So each one is different. Um, but by the time the project comes out the other end, it's, it's tight and sharp and good to go. And everybody is proud of it. So um, I know I'm giving you a long convoluted answer on that, but there's, there are several things. We have to be able to work with the author. The author has to be able to work with us. And, and everybody needs to approach the project as the end result um, will be a, a magnificent product that we all feel good about, but there's give and take every step along the way in that process. So did, did I answer that question for you? Yeah, no, that's, that's a lot of good information. Um, are there any, so far with what you've published, have there been any similarity of topics or is it... Is it everything that you can imagine, or is it fiction, nonfiction, children's, young adult, adult? Um, We're trying to keep um, to keep a variety. Um, we have a we have one fictionalized accounting of a real life story right now that we're working on. We have a true life accounting of one woman's um, journey through cancer. And we have some poetry books upcoming, and then we have children's books. And then we're also launching a subscription letter service 
that's a, a quite a, a new trend that's happening. And this product is going to be called Letters from Elizabeth. And it is for midlife women and above that are going through times of great loss and grief. And there, it's for women that are struggling to find themselves as they move through midlife. You know, a lot of us, um, we lose our loved ones, we lose our husbands, our spouses, our family members. Um, and in midlife, we end up alone oftentimes. And for the first time in a lot of our lives, that's the first time we've ever had to figure out who and what we're about. And it can be enormously daunting. So Morgan Pierce Media and Publishing um, worked with two, two different writers. It's a compilation character to create letters from Elizabeth. And this is going to be a project that we're very excited about because it, but a lot of our books are ending up being geared for uh, midlife women and written by midlife authors. So it's, it's interesting how it's all shaking out. And even the children's literature um, that's being very well received by grandparents because I think grandparents are especially interested in that story time bond with their, their young grandkiddos. And, um, yeah, it's interesting how midlife seems to be a theme throughout everything that we're doing at Morgan Pierce. And we feel good about that. Well, I, it's probably just my place in life and, and, and what I'm doing work-wise and stuff, but it seems to me that this is the rise of the midlife woman. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's not just in literature. I think it is. If you look, I think it's happening. And it, it certainly is time. So yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and I think it is, um, it's an amazing time to be a midlife woman. And uh, I do see a very profound cultural societal shift in that area. And I'm very, very tickled about it. Me too. So what has been your most surprise since you and Sandra launched your publishing? What has been most surprising to you? Mm. Oh, wow. That's a good question. I have to stop and think about that. I think, I think really what's been the most surprising to, to me, and I think to Sandra too, the number of people out there that have stories to tell, that either know they have stories to tell and want to tell them, or they're not sure they have stories to tell, but they think they might. And I, I think, you know, it used to be um, writers kind of bubbled up every now and then, and writing was like this big mystery thing, and only a few chosen few got to do it. Everybody seems to be aware that we all have stories to tell. We all have traumas and horrors and loss and joys and blessings in our lives. And I think the, the real happy push that I'm seeing is a lot of people are realizing the real reason we're here is to share those stories and help others so that we can all grow together. Um, I agree with you on that. I have just coming to the end of my second story circle, and um, we have had such a good time. And it, and we all have stories. We all have wonderful stories. And what we've learned in the story circle is, as we listen to one another's stories, we remember more of our own. Yes. So um, 
So that's one thing I thought of while you were talking, Carrie. The other thing I thought of was, isn't it interesting how the expanse of technology has expanded the number of people in creative endeavors? I mean, think of the number of people who can now make some kind of film. Yeah. You didn't used to be able to make a film. Mm-hmm. You know, you couldn't make a film. I mean, you could have home movies, but you couldn't make a film. Anybody can make a film now. Um, That's true. I I have to admit, I am very concerned about AI. Me too. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not at all happy about AI. And I have some great, great concerns about it, especially where writers are concerned. I think it's going to homogenize um, language. I think it's going to homogenize how people share their stories because it's like it's like doing a book report and you just go and open up the, the encyclopedia and copy it all down. Well, that's not writing. And you haven't created your assignment, your book report. You were just fed what they wanted you to know. And then you regurgitated it back on a page and turned it in. And and so I'm very concerned about that. But the, the filmmaking aspect, you're absolutely right. And, and that is really exciting because I think it has revolutionized um, how people think and how people see. Um, films have always been very important to me. And I did start um, in the film and TV industry doing makeup and special effects. And so the film process has always been very interesting to me. And I think because of that film background, it has enhanced my writing in certain ways because when I write, I see camera angles and I see character development in in a, in a different way. And so, yeah, film film is a wonderful thing. I think it can be a spark that ignites a, a huge amount of, of creativity in many different venues. I agree. And one of the things I'm coming back to when you were talking about AI and writing, and I couldn't be more furiously opposed <laughs> to, to that than I am. However, for the first time ever, while you were talking, I thought, well, that gives then creative people the opportunity to stand out. Because um, I have been able to tell when somebody in their social media even has switched to AI and it's gotten boring and I have stopped reading it. Yeah, that's and a good so, point. And so for a writer not to use AI and to come from their own soul and their own voice is going is, is to potentially is going to put them ahead of the crowd because they're going to be better. They're going to be more fun to read. It's going to be uh, more heartfelt. So that's the first time I've ever thought that. So I'm going to I'm going to think about that because I've thought I got a grip on I got to get a grip on how I feel about this because this is here to stay and um I don't need to love it but I it, it's not going to do me any good to be as adamantly strongly opposed. Well, um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, Sarah, and I and I I don't want to come on your show and disagree with you. I I am glad that you are adamantly passionate about it because I think again we are being spoon-fed for our quote unquote convenience something that is going to be a tremendous dumbing down of our intellectual capacity, our communication skills and also our soul. And I feel that AI is extremely insidious. There is a a very deep potential there for some great darkness. And I 
I don't want you to lose that passion and that righteous indignation because it very much deserves it and it needs to be there. And I know that I'm probably going to sound like a dinosaur to a lot of people that just embrace it because they love technology without question. Um, you bring up a very good point. And yes, it is stripping the soul out of not only writers, but it's stripping the soul out of everything. I, I feel like it's bad enough that we have become a fast food society. We eat fast food. We have very short attention spans now because of our, our gadgets and our devices. So they've dumbed us down in terms of our thinking capacity. And now they're going to tell us what we're supposed to think about something and believe about something without question and the verbiage that we're supposed to use in the expression of our thinking and feeling about things. And to me, it is the ultimate big brother thinking machine. And I, I don't want you to lose your righteous indignation about it because it is, it is, um, it's going to cost people their passion over time and it's going to erode it away and, and it's going to going to be so insidious that they're not even going to know it's happening and until there are devoid passionless people walking around spewing what AI has told them to spew and I as a writer and as a human what a loss yeah and just as, as you were saying that Carrie I thought not only is it dumbing down and losing soul of the writer that's also going to dumb down and lose the soul of the reader, because that's yeah. if that's what we've got to read. Then this is a, a thing that I I talk about a lot in the interviews that I do, and and I usually tell this to the writers that I'm working with. I was told this as a teenager when I first was trying to write and was writing poetry. Uh, an English professor told me one time, and he himself, he was a very well published man. And I, I've read it since, no tears in the writer, no tears in the reader. And if you are not moved by what you are writing, your reader's not going to be moved by it. And that is very much true. We're, we're going to be living on, on cold mashed potatoes and calling it a feast before we realize it. And that is just a criminal, it's a shame, deep and, shame. And not even real potatoes. Yes, potato. Yes, fake. <laughs> I don't want to say the brand name, but yes, not yes, even right. real potato flakes. <laughs> oh, Carrie, this has been absolutely delightful. I have loved it. And we are at our time. So could I ask you if somebody wants to get in touch with you, and I suspect people will, how can they do that? I hope so. I have loved our time, Sarah. It's been a joy to be with you, and I thank you. Um, they can write me, email me at Carrie, C-A-R-R-I-E, at MorganPierceMediaPublishing.com. And then our website is MorganPierceMediaPublishing.com. And they can go and read about uh, me, read about Sandra, read more about what we do and why we do it. And I would be happy to field any questions or be in touch with your listeners. But I've really enjoyed our time. It's been a delight. I have to, Carrie, thank you. And let me just clarify, Pierce is P-I-E-R-C-E, right? Yes, and Morgan is M-O-R-G-A-N. So absolutely, and thank you for doing that. Morgan Pierce Media. It's MorganPierceMediaPublishing.com. MorganPierceMediaPublishing.com. Mm -hmm. Got it. So, 
That's our time. Thank you so much for being here with us. You can find our Prime Spark podcast at every popular outlet. Find out more about Prime Spark at www.primesparkwomen.com. Thank you so much to my guest, Carrie Pierce. You can find her at Morgan Pierce Publishing Media.com. Is that right? Nope. There it it's, is. It's uh you can email me at Carrie at Morgan Pierce Media Publishing.com. Mm-hmm. You're close. Mediapublishing.com. So thank you everyone. Spread tolerance and love. Bye bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to stay updated, you can head over to my website, primesparkwomen.com, and get my free spark guide, Seven Questions to Ignite Your Spark, to help you discover your own spark. See you in the next episode.